the Lupus Living Podcast. Today's episode, Applying for Disability, Part 2. Welcome to today's episode of the Lupus Living Podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. This is a podcast to encourage you if you're living with lupus. Maybe you don't have lupus, but would like to understand what your loved ones are going through that live with it. Whatever the reason that you're tuning in today, I say welcome and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen. If you're newly diagnosed with lupus, I just wanted to let you know about a short ebook that's available that I have on Amazon called Living Life with Lupus, A Guide to Living a Full Life While Having Lupus. It has some things I wish I'd known when I was newly diagnosed, just understanding the basics of what lupus was and also how to deal with the symptoms of fatigue and even some memory issues have helped me. Like I said, it's available on Amazon.com. Or you can also find it on my website, thegwenalexander.com, and you click the online store and you can purchase your e-copy. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's topic. We're covering the topic of applying for disability benefits when you have lupus. Before we dive into today's topic, remember, I am not a lawyer, so I am not giving legal advice. This is for informational purposes only to help you in deciding if this is something that you might want to consider. I recommend listening to last week's episode, which is number 56, and it's part one. The information that I'm sharing pertains to disability benefits in the United States. Your country may have similar rules, but you'll want to check with your local offices for information of how you would need to apply. We'll cover today what is the difference between Social Security Disability Benefits, or SSDI, and Supplemental Security Income, which is SSI, and how much you might be able to get in the benefits, and how to check your earnings information with Social Security, and if you should consider hiring a disability attorney. So let's start with defining SSDI and SSI. SSDI, or Social Security Disability Insurance, is an earned benefit. That means you qualify for it by working and paying Social Security taxes. Another requirement is you need to have worked for five of the last 10 years. This benefit is not dependent on your health status, so it's not based on what your medical conditions are. So depending on how long that you've worked before you applied will determine what type of benefit you would apply for. Now, SSI, or Supplemental Security Income, it isn't based on your work history. You can receive this benefit if you haven't paid into Social Security. This type of support is if you have low income and few resources. You would get funds to help you with your basic needs, and that's things like uh, your shelter, clothing, and food. Some of the non-medical requirements for SSI or your earnings need to be under what's called the SGA requirement, 
Now, SGA means substantial gainful activity. If you qualify for SSI, then you can't go above the SGA earnings limit if you're still working. Something else that you'd want to think about is if you get SSI, and what's a, they uh, have what's called accountable asset. So accountable assets you have can be limit, at, it's a set limit of at $2,000. And here are some items that are considered accountable asset. Cash, savings bonds, stocks or bank accounts. And it's my understanding, uh, it's also any bank accounts where you're on an account with someone, so that's counted. Vehicles, land, life insurance policies with a combined face cash value of $1,500 or less, and personal property. Now, items that aren't counted for SSI are things like the home that you live in and the land that it's on. So it sounds like that's your primary residence. Your household goods and personal belongings like your wedding and engagement rings. Any grants or scholarships. One vehicle if you use it for transportation for you and your family. Now, this list is not comprehensive. There is there is more things to it, but th these are just a few that I wanted to highlight. From what that I've researched, if you are applying for SSDI, there is no asset limit. How much might, might you be able to receive if you're eligible for SSDI benefits? The amount that you'll get is, it's different for everybody. The Social Security Administration has a formula that they use to calculate your benefit. As of 2021, the average SSDI benefit paid is $1,277. There is a way to know how much SSDI that you would be eligible for if you have worked in the past. Now, I recommend all working individuals do this. If you go to the Social Security Administration's website, which is ssa.gov, so that's ssa.gov, and then you click on the button for sign in slash sign up. And the next screen that you'll, you'll want to click on is, uh, it's called My Social Security. And what it'll do is it'll walk you through the process of creating a user profile. So it'll ask you for things like your name, your social security number, I think also your date of birth. And then once you're able to log in, you should see what you made each year that you worked and that in the, each year that you filed taxes. It will also tell you if you apply for disability what the possible amount that you would get as of that date based on what your work history has been. It will also show you what your Social Security payments would be at retirement and how long that you would have to work to collect full benefits. Like I said, this is something that everyone that has had some income should do, but I think those of us living with lupus, this is something that we need to be proactive with. Don't wait until after the fact to see, oh, what can I get? Let's, let's get ahead of this. So verify that the information that you see is correct that has been reported. So this can be a guide for you to know where you are with your numbers. This is a lot of information. Completing applications, making sure your doctor rec records are complete and your assets are in order. And then you go through all of this and they could say, you're denied. You have the right to appeal, but there's a process for that. And then you only have so many days to appeal after a denial. And who has time to read all of the information 
and then understand everything that they're giving you. Here's where some help would come into play. You might want to consider hiring an attorney that specializes in disability claims. It would be even better if they specialize in claims pertaining to chronic illnesses. Yes, you'll have to pay some money for this. Prices vary based on the law office and what the circumstances of your case are. You can look at it this way. Hiring someone who already knows how the system works can save you a lot of time and headache. Most lawyers will give you a free consultation to at least see if they're able to help you, so it wouldn't hurt to do, do that. Ask friends who have applied for disability and gotten it that who did they use to help them during the process. Also, use search engines and search for any negative reviews for a lawyer that you're thinking of hiring. Read the negative reviews to see if what someone else saw as a negative may not necessarily be a problem for your particular case. I recently hired a lawyer to help me with something that I could have probably taken care of it myself, but I would have had to read all of the instructions and then make sure I was completing the paperwork correctly, and it had to be a particular way because it was a legal document. I found someone who specializes in the area I needed, and she had it done in 30 minutes. To me, it was worth the extra money that I had to pay. Even if you're able to get benefits, I strongly recommend doing a budget and knowing where your money is going. In 2017, when I was in the hospital, I put my emergency budget into action. I had created this emergency budget in 2003. And during that time in my life, I was paying off debt and trying my best to increase my income. One of the things I did was create a budget for if I got into a situation that I needed to cut back expenses, I already had a plan. I canceled any subscription services that I didn't need, and I didn't have many because I really, that was something I didn't really uh, need, so I didn't have a lot of it. So my emergency budget consists of home and utilities and foods, like the basics I needed. I can always get the subscription services later if I want to. And you know what's funny about that situation is I didn't even get most of the subscription services back after I canceled them. I didn't miss them. So just knowing I had a plan gave me the chance on focusing on trying to get better. I hope these two episodes were a help to you. I tried my best to organize the information in a way to give you at least an overview of the process that you would go through. If you have any questions or comments about the episode, please let me know. You can send me an email. My email address is gwen at thegwenalexander.com. You can also contact me through the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash lupus living podcast. I also ask that you share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from the topics that are covered. And then thank you to those that have rated the podcast and left a review. It helps more people to be able to find it. The quote that I'd like to leave you with is the same one from last episode because I feel it fits the topic so well. It's by Robert Boyce. And that quote is, knowledge is power. Knowledge shared is power multiplied. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of the podcast is not a medical professional. 
You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before you make any changes that may affect your health in any way.